Welcome to the Authentic Wife Show. I'm Beth Rolls, a conscious marriage coach and author of The Authentic Wife, Uncaging Yourself Through Marriage. I help driven moms who love their kids more than they hate their marriage use the conflict in their relationship to become their most authentic selves so they can create a relationship and life they don't want to escape from. Stop waiting for your husband to evolve and start making every day feel like a vacation. You can find my book, tons of free resources, and Happily Ever After, the only marriage-saving coaching program on my website, theauthenticwifeandmom.com. Thanks for joining me today. Let's get started. Welcome back. I have been a little bit under the weather lately, so... I'm sorry if I sound a little stuffy. I think I'm almost over it, which is exciting because I've been sick far too long and it seems like it's going around. So hopefully you and yours are well and healthy. I really, really, really would love that for you because so many people have been sick. Today, I thought I would talk a little bit about quantum love. And what is quantum love and what does quantum physics have to do with relationships? Because it's kind of hard for me to explain this to people just like, oh, yeah, you know, they entrain to your energy. So change your energy and it'll change your relationship. Yeah, it's hard to explain unless like, you know, a little bit more, you have some kind of foundational understanding here. And I also think, I think, I don't know. I started to look for scholarly articles on this. And to be honest, my internet is slow today and I just kind of gave up on it. So I don't know how much research has been done. I know that quantum physics is a little bit of a, a mystery. In fact, I went to take some, some of those free MIT courses that they have online. And I was like, well, this is just a little bit over my head for <laughs> right now. Like, this is fantastic. I feel like I need to start off with some other math or something before I can get this. So this, I don't know how well documented all of this is from everything I've seen it. It is, it's just kind of hard to wrap our heads around. So I'm just going to share with you a lot of the things that Dr. Laura Berman said in her book, quantum love. And if you want to learn more about it, you could read her beautiful book or she's got some resources on her website or there is a really cool video. It's really long, but it's good. YouTube somewhere by Greg Braden. And I don't really know what Greg's qualifications are. I know I've seen him say some things that I don't fully believe are backed in science, but the in that video, he shows just some visuals of some of this research, so it can be a good place to start. And honestly, whether it's true or not, <laughs> like, like whether this is scientifically proven or not, I still feel that they are very good concepts. And it's kind of like the whole golden rule, you know, do unto others as you would have done to yourself. And like, if you just think about it, if you are in the room angry, then people are going to react to that. And if you are in the room in a loving state, then people are going to react to that. So no matter what the science says, these, these are still good concepts to live by. So that's, that's my little disclaimer, <laughs> disclaimer there. 
So basically she gives you three principles in the book and she starts off with this quote from Rumi that is stop acting so small. You are the universe in ecstatic motion, which is like a really huge concept to wrap your brain around, right? Like you are the universe. If you put a religious spin on this, then God is in you and you are part of God. You, you are the thing. You are the energy. And she says that coincidences are re- a result of quantum physics. She says the energy of her body's thoughts and emotions is unbelievably powerful. And it attracts things into our consciousness that are vibrating at the same frequency, like tuning forks that come together to sound a single note. And so for her, she defines quantum love as a state in which you and your partner are in energetic harmony together at your optimal state. Now, I think there's like a key to this that sometimes people miss when they read The Secret or some of those kinds of books, and that I missed doing this work in the beginning. And that's just that you don't just move your energy and then everything immediately shifts. But because you have moved your energy, you say different things and do different things and you believe different things can happen for you. So you can't just move into a loving state and then a million dollars falls into your lap. And I know I've talked about this in other podcast episodes, but you also have to take different action. You have to visualize what you want. I I think intention is one of the most powerful things and that guides what we do and things we say and actions that we take and the choices we make, but it's going to be true That if you are in a loving state of energy, hopeful, trusting, faithful place of energetic harmony in your body, then you are going to make better choices. (laughs) You are going to connect better to others and ask for help and receive help and help other people and be loving and kind. And so no matter what you hear from this, the end thing is love. And love in action. Be love all the time. Demonstrate love. Do love. Love is the thing. Love Love is the key. Love is the answer. That's that's the gist of this whole thing. I guess you can, <laughs> you can turn it off now. Okay, but the quantum physics principle number one is that everything, everything is energy. You are pure potential. You're pure energy. Energy that cannot die or be tarnished or destroyed. This energy connects you to everything and everyone around you. So sometimes you'll hear this referred to as a quantum matrix. I feel like there was another thing that we called it. I haven't really talked about this in a while, but like the matrix, uh, I don't know, fabric, the universe, (laughs) the universe is fabric. Energy is life source itself. So God, if you're thinking about a creator or the beginning thing or what life is made of, it's energy. When energy and when enough energy clumps together, it creates mass. Okay. So that's quantum physics principle. Number one, everything is energy. Quantum physics principle. Number two is that we are all connected. Like literally we are all connected 
you are connected to everyone and everything around you. And so sometimes I think that we begin to believe that, but then we don't act that way, right? Like we know we're connected to our husband or to the guy at church or to the person at school or whatever, but then we don't act like we're connected. We aren't treating them like with a whole bunch of love and reverence and how are you and what's new and you know, what's going on in your life. And I give to you and you give to me like that kind of thing. We don't actually do that part of it. So you have to know this in your mind and you have to do this in your body and your energy and your actions. Know that you are literally connected to everyone and everything. She says, time has led to our physical separation, but our oneness used to be vital for our survival. We used to really take care of each other, right? <laughs> if you think back, the tribe was a big deal. Having your people around you was a big deal. Now we're not really like that. And we've gotten into this place of isolation and it's very dangerous. She defines non-locality, which means that one energy particle can influence another energy particle even when they do not touch in any way and that they can be separated by billions of miles. This is called quantum entanglement. There's a cool ex experiment on this. I didn't put it in these notes, <laughs> but I know it is, exists where basically like they, they had these atoms that were together and then they separated them and then they figured out they did something to one and it impacted the other one, basically. Like, don't quote me on that, but it's pretty much what it was. So she says that we are each made up of molecules that share the same history and future. And then she defines a word, coherence. Coherence is this calm, peaceful, loving state of alignment within yourself that occurs when your heart is open. Your heart and mind are working together in perfect harmony. So I do talk about coherence a lot more. It is when every system is in sync. We can measure this through something called heart rate variability. And the higher the number, the better. So if you have an Apple Watch or something, you can measure it. If you get high numbers, you're doing really good. You're spending more time in coherence than like the average person or something. So we know that this is this part we know is a real thing that happens in our bodies. You have the power to create or reshape the landscape of your relationship any way you desire, simply by creating the change in yourself first. Amen. So this is what I teach. And this is what I help women with first. If the conflict exists in your own body, whether it's these physical systems, not being coherent, or like you say you love yourself, but you don't treat yourself like you love yourself or you don't love yourself, but you take care of everybody else, for example, like if the conflict exists in you, then it is going to exist in your relationship or in your home. And then that just spills out into the world. That's where the conflict comes from. So when you create the change in yourself first, then you see it reflected in your relationship. Coherence gives you access to the wisdom of your essential self. So when you are in open-hearted, coherent state, it is much easier to talk to your higher self or your essential self. And when you talk to that, 
when you listen to you, you hear some really, really good advice. (laughs) Sometimes if you are in fear or anxiety and you try to go have a conversation with your higher self, you're going to get some wonky information and, or you're just not going to be clear and be like, I don't understand. What are you trying to say? And the message is not going to be decodable because it is just too convoluted. And that means that you are still hearing from like, I guess you could call it like your fear-based self or your anxieties, your fears, really it's your brain's conditioning, all these fearful patterns that it has tracked all this data it's put in there in your brain. It's like, when we do this, this happens, all the movies you watch, all the stories you hear, things happen to your friends, stuff you see on the news. It helps your brain collect all these data points. And then it tries to make decisions based on all those data points. Well, sometimes that's helpful, but sometimes the lens is skewed towards fear. It's, it's looking only at the worst case scenarios because the brain's job is to try to protect you from those worst case scenarios, right? It tries to judge good and bad. So if we only use the brain, then we are more likely to make poor choices that aren't really in alignment with what we want because they are coming through a filter of avoiding what we don't want. So you want to get into coherence to talk to your highest self. Then she talks about entrainment. You will see entrainment used in other places in science. I started to read an article that said that like if we walk on a swaying bridge or something, we start to entrain to that swaying. I think they use it in music. Something about when things are oscillating, how they end up entraining to each other. So entrainment is when one system's energetic state can actually influence another system. And she says You and your partner are plugged into each other at your most fundamental level and are constantly sending and receiving messages to each other, even when you are not aware that you are doing so, and even when you aren't in the same room. So if your partner is emitting a negative energy, it is going to negatively affect your own frame of mind. And if it goes unresolved, it may damage the relationship. But there's a caveat to that. If your partner is emitting a negative energy, you have to be in coherence to be a reflective mirror so it bounces off of you and it doesn't negatively affect your own frame of mind. You can change their energy by refusing to entrain or match to theirs. And you can do that because you can go, no. I don't want to match this. And I'm going to put my energy into a better state of mind, a better place, a place of love and let them match me instead. And you do that by literally reflecting their experience to them. So you become like a mirror. You know, if you point a light on a mirror, it bounces off into another path. It does. The mirror does not absorb the light. It reflects it back. So when we use empathy with another person, we are literally reflecting back for them what they have shared with us and what we're picking up from them too. We're really kind of reading beneath what they're saying. We're feeling into what the actual experience is like for them. And that power of reflection helps them process whatever it is 
that they are feeling. And usually that can be like a negative thing. So they could be afraid. They could be making kind of a narcissistic choice. That reflection is super duper powerful. Quantum physics principle number three is that you create your reality. Your personal vibrations will dictate the world you create. You will attract things in vibrational harmony with that emotion. And she says, whatever your stories are, your energy is probably working to prove them right. So recently I have done some work on a story and it was one I didn't even really know existed, but it was something like something along the lines of like, nobody's here to take care of me, basically. Nobody wants to help me. Nobody's here to take care of me. And I work to prove it right by making sure that I never let myself be vulnerable to ask for somebody to help me. And even if I did, I was not willing to accept that help. <laughs> so that's like an example of the way that you can think that you're getting your energy right, but you are actually working against the, the thing. You're not fully in alignment with that. So the stories that we tell ourselves are really super important. We've got to pay attention to where, when we are creating that in our lives. And we do that with our spouse all the freaking time. Like there's a constant, I know one for me that I always have to pull myself out of is, gosh, I have to do everything around here while I'm doing everything. <laughs> I never say, Hey, this needs to be done. Can you help me? I still sometimes go back to this because I just get like, in a doing kind of mode. And so I just start doing all the things and having this pity party for myself instead of being like, yo, <laughs> we're going to work on this together today. I can't do this by myself. Like not even with my husband so much anymore. Cause I'm, I'm pretty good at doing it with him, but with my kids, I will look at the huge mess they've just made. And I'll think, oh my gosh, this is going to really suck to clean all this up when it's not my job to clean it up. I literally just have to get the kids to do it. I just like, Hey, you got to come back and do the thing. This is your job. You have to learn. And I'm your parent and I have to show you this is what you have to do. So yeah, the stories are there and they're annoying. So the big thing here is that we discovered that atoms were 99.999999% empty space. We thought they were empty but they're not actually empty. They are filled with energy. So protons, electrons. So basically all that space can either be just energy or it can be light. Atoms only take shape when we put our attention on them. Otherwise they go back to an original state of pure energy and potential. And this is crazy. She says, even tiny, tiny bits of matter responding to our gaze and acting differently because of it. And that there are infinite realities. So there's other, other research about things like the placebo effect. And I know there were researchers who would go like sit with a sick animal in a lab. I think they were rats or something. I don't know. And like uh, the ones that they would send, like they would sit there and focus their attention to like send healing to the thing, we get better faster. 
Or if you think that the pill is going to heal you, then it heals you. Like they're examples of the observer changing the outcome based on what they believe and what they observe. And so this is kind of nuts and we could go a little bit crazy if, if we really get deeper into what this means for us, because it's much easier just to go like, this is a solid table and it's always going to be solid. And this is life and life is not changing, yada, yada, yada. But there is some other kind of magic there. There just is. And we don't fully understand it. And science is working hard to help us understand it. But just know that there is more than meets the eye. So a big thing that happens, like I was just sharing, is that our brains filter out most of this data that we take in because otherwise we would go insane. And so then there are some people who actually take in more data than the rest of us. And usually we will say they are on the autism spectrum or something along those lines. They can sense and see and feel more than what the average person can. So the average neurotypical brain will filter out some of those data points and that helps us only focus on certain things. But then we also condition ourselves to only focus on certain things. Like when your marriage starts to get bad, you're going to tell your brain to focus on all the reasons why it's bad so that you can make a decision on when it's time to divorce them. And when that filter is in place and it's constantly going, yes, dear, I'm going to find all the bad things for you. Like it does this job really, really well. It's the best little Excel filter ever. And it's like, oh, he did this and then he did that. Oh, and then he didn't do this. <laughs> and so then you're like, okay, well, obviously it's time to go. And so I have my clients do something where they find evidence of his love. And so they purposefully look for reasons why they should stay. When you are focusing on like, what are the ways that he shows me he loves me? Or what are the ways that she shows me she loves me? Then your brain is being forced to change its filter and find you evidence that is more loving. And you can always find more. I mean, I think it'd be pretty rare. If you can find nothing, then your brain's going to be like, okay, <laughs> you know, time to go. If all he does is like, hit you, then obviously you should have left a long time ago if you can. So we aren't really paying attention. Sometimes we're just looking for the good when we're ignoring the bad. But uh, what I see happen more is we stop paying attention to the good and we only pay attention to the bad and we blow it out of proportion and we don't take any action to change it. And then we go down this whole get him out of my life path. And you could do this with anybody. It doesn't have to be your spouse. You can walk into a room and have such a fragile ego that you are really trying to find reasons why like everybody hates you or like so-and-so is mean to you or so-and-so is a bad person. And when you have a filter that is that, oh, what's the word? Like, it's like right at the tip of my tongue when it's, when your brain's filter is that fragile, I'll just say, and egocentric and afraid, it's going to make you feel like everybody in the room hates you. And it will also, like, if you're a, a real narcissist, then it will tell you all the reasons why you're amazing and they're not and that kind of, <laughs> that kind of thing. And so then you'll have beef with strangers that you, people you don't even know, 
for no reason other than these stories that you made up in your head. So we don't want to do that. It's no good. All right. So the energy we send out as thoughts and intentions can come back to us in physical form. It's funny because I was just walking my dog around the pond by our house and I was looking up at the clouds because it got dark all of a sudden. And I was like, man, that would be a bummer if it started to rain. I'm glad that it's not raining. And then, and then immediately after that, it started raining. So then I was like, it's dry and sunny. It's dry and sunny. It's dry and sunny. And I still got wet the rest of the way home, but it is dry and sunny now. <laughs> so, so maybe it's instant. Maybe it's not. And it doesn't always mean that it's just going to come like magic like that. But if you sit down to make lunch and you have a thought of what you're going to eat, then boom, it manifests because you had the thought and you took action on it. The energy of our emotions may be manifesting the events and relationships that occur in our lives. I think this is absolutely true. The energy that we align to emotionally like that, where we turn that radio dial that you probably hear me talk about a lot, it determines who we attract, what we accept, what boundaries we do or don't hold, what we think we're worthy of. I recently had a kind of big aha moment when it comes to like career and stuff where I was like, I am almost always the most competent, the most capable person in the room. And I don't give myself enough credit for that. I just don't. I tend to de- defer to other people or think that I, I don't know, I don't even know, like need something else to prove that I can do it. But I actually know in my head that I'm really, I'm pretty smart and I can almost always figure something out and make it better and do the thing and do it fast and do it well. And, and I'm not saying like I'm better than other people, but there are plenty of times where I'm the one in the room who knows exactly how to do whatever needs to be done. Usually it's around like tech and marketing and stuff, but there are many, many times where I'm the one who is like, yeah, you just do this. Sometimes that's not me. More often with my kids, it's not me. My kids are the more capable one, but like a lot of the time it's freaking me. So why, why do I have this mindset that there, you know, something about me is not as good as what everybody else has. I don't know. So, so we manifest what we believe about ourselves and the way we feel. And if I go to like fear and insecurity in my career, then I manifest situations that match that. But if I move into total confidence and joy in the way I can serve and the things I can provide for other people, then I manifest those things. It's just kind of wild. Just a little bit wild. The other day I decided to do a really big sale on my program. If you were on my email list, you saw it. And at the, when I decided to do it, I was like, I need to make this much money and guess how much money I made this much, <laughs> like the exact number. And I was like, this is what I need to make. So now I'm like, well, geez, all I apparently have to do is say, well, I need to make this much money and then it will come. I don't know. But I think that there's some power to knowing like, okay, I want to make this much. What am I capable of making? What needs to happen for that to occur? Kind of reverse engineer the thing. But anyway, so you have to have focus intention every day. 
whether it's about the money you're going to make or the kind of parent you're going to be or the kind of marriage you're going to have. Intention is so important. And she says the more positive energy you exude, the more positive events will come your way. This quote is apparently from Albert Einstein. He says, everything is energy and that's all there is to it. Match the frequency of the reality you want and you cannot help but get that reality. It can be no other way. This is not philosophy. This is physics. She says, like, if you are unconscious, like if you unconsciously set an intention every day to be unhappy, to be disappointed, to be ashamed of your body and your sexuality, then you will see where that intention got you. We need to think of formative events as simply leading to potential outcomes or results. And she also goes on to talk about space-time events as particles that have been commanded by observation back to that observation thing. Also, Einstein said the field is the governing agency of the particle. So basically what the, what the particle is surrounded by is what's changing it. And then she talks about the heart producing the strongest electrical field in the body. Your heart produces the waves that lock the quantum possibility into the reality of this moment. So that's why that open heartedness, that's why that coherence is so important mm -hmm. because we are taking control of that electrical energy that is coming from our heart and changing the room around us. This is really powerful. If you have little kids, if you have a baby and you're listening to this, you want to move into open heartedness as much as you possibly can, especially if you're trying to get them to sleep. And that is the thing that will help them calm down and relax. But if you are a nervous wreck and you are anxious when you're around your baby, like I was with my first, then they're going to pick up on that and they're going to be anxious. This is kind of like when I talk to moms who have kids who have separation anxiety going into school, we work on their anxiety, the moms, because once the mom gets her anxiety out of the way and she is loving and confident in the morning. And the child goes into the school just fine. Your energy is so important. Just so important. So I hope that this little, little deep dive into quantum physics in 30 minutes or less was helpful to you. If you have questions about it or you want to talk more about it, you can always reach out to me, Beth at BethRolls.com. I think you can even ask questions directly from my podcast on Spotify. If you would like to learn how to do this in your own relationship and save your marriage from the brink of divorce, and you want to change from the inside out, I'm your girl. You can go to happilyeveraftercoach.com to learn more about working with me. And I look forward to talking to you. If you want to see where your emotional energy is at right now, you can download my free assessment. It's called the princess and the peeve. So you can go to the princess and the grab that assessment. You can find it elsewhere on my site as well. Thank you for joining me today and I will see you next week. Bye-bye.